episode six of the Cold Call Podcast. I got my good friend here, Johnny. I'm really excited to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And thanks for doing this last minute because I know it's a lot. But um, so why don't we start? Like, why don't you tell me what you've been doing this summer? Because I'm really curious. Yeah. So, um, so I guess our semester ended April 29th or so. Mm-hmm. I took about two weeks just to decompress. Um, it's needed. Man, I was I was traumatized. I'm still like getting over it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so two weeks I kind of did nothing, mm-hmm. went to the gym and stuff like that, and then I started an internship at Resilience Force, okay, which is a workers' rights organization based out of New Orleans, um, and today was actually my last day there. We just had like an online goodbye party, which was That's awesome. about what you would expect. <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was a cool experience. Like, so, so the position is called bilingual law clerk. Okay. Um, and I probably oversold my bilingualness a little bit. Right. Uh, I had to I had to interview some clients in Spanish and like uh-huh. take down facts for their case and okay. stuff like that. That's really so, cool. Yeah. So I I uh, probably wasn't as precise as I could have been. But yeah, it was a cool experience. You know, it was ten weeks total. Uh, okay. We did uh, worked on a couple lawsuits, a little bit of legislation. That's really cool. Um, it's basically it's the whole movement law world, basically. Okay, that's which, awesome. Which so you're familiar with? Yeah. So was that like a field placement, or was that like a? Uh, no, not at all. Actually, so last October, I hopped on the Equal Justice Works website. Oh yeah. And I emailed them. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I didn't email Equal Justice Works. I looked on their job board and I found this organization. Okay. It was like you know you sort by your interests or whatever. Yeah. And I emailed them, and they emailed emailed right back to me. And then uh, had an interview, and like by November they were like, "Cool," and, That's awesome. and I was in. But then, unfortunately, I think since it was so early, I kind of put it in my hip pocket for months. And then, gotcha. like in April, when we were supposed to tell Professor Arth about mm-hmm. and like go through the program, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh yeah. So I didn't. This was not for credit. Yeah, but but this is nice that you like. Like like people were searching for internships like up until April like I was yeah but you like you like had this so you're like oh I'm I'm good so. yeah I was like this that's too easy but yeah it's perfect because um, it it's workers rights specifically for disaster workers mm. so after a flood a fire not so much earthquakes but anytime it's just a mess which happens all the time with climate change now. exactly yeah uh, basically you know you probably heard horror stories about Katrina or Andrew or. Or even like the tornadoes in Illinois and Kentucky. Yeah, these workers just get screwed over afterwards. So, they, so, so it, is it like nationwide? Can, can anybody come, or is it more like people in New Orleans area? Uh, well, it was remote, so so anybody. Um, but as far as like being part of the organization, yeah, um, they they'll they'll work with any disaster worker really cool. in the country. But yeah, it was awesome. It so was, that kind of goes into my first question. Um, what do you want to do with your law degree? Like, what what made you want to become a lawyer in the first place? I guess. Um, good question. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Like, we've gotten so used to being asked that so many like I know essays and yeah. interviews, and you have to stand up in class. But yeah. Um, so I was a structural engineer for six years, mm-hmm. doing building design and stuff like working on architectural projects. And then I was in the green building compliance industry for like seven years after that. Mm. Um, and honestly, man, after 2016 and the election, like I just wanted to be part of something like bigger than myself. Yeah, yeah. And I was getting jaded, and I was turning 40 and stuff like that. Yeah. So I I quit working and I went into Peace Corps. That's awesome. 
and just a few things happened to me after, like I did a um, I was kind of like trying to figure out what to do and I went down down to El Paso to volunteer at a a, a, a migrant shelter on the border okay. um, like literally 100 feet from the border it was just I was there for like three weeks but what they would do this was this was something that Beto O'Rourke had kind of given a shout out on Twitter mm-hmm. he said he made this tweet saying like hey we need we need help down down here in El Paso yeah. there's a great organization called Annunciation House and I was like hell yeah I'll just go to, I just went down there and yeah. and so like every day we would get a busload of between 80 to 100 um, detainees who had just been released from ICE detention oh wow so ICE they, they were just like at max max capacity yeah I guess this was was this 2018 or 2019 and Trump was president? So, so, so like it was right in the middle of that crisis. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. it was, exactly. Yeah. So, and so the buses pull up, and we were working at a, um, what's it, at a Catholic church okay. that had been converted into, like, an overnight shelter. And, man, these, these refugees coming off the ICE buses was just like, you see, you see them walk off once, you're, it'll break your heart. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, because a lot of them had been, you know, walking for months from Central America, and yeah. and apparently, what happens in some of these ICE detention centers is okay. So, at, at least at that time, if you're in detention, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like processing what to do with you, if you tap out and say, "Okay, I want to go back to Honduras or something," yeah. they're like, "Cool, bye." Okay, mm-hmm. so so these these detention centers had a reputation for turning down the air conditioning really cold wow. to mm-hmm. make it hard. Yeah. And these are these were kids and adults, and all they would get is, you know, those marathon like shiny silver blankets. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all these adults and kids coming off the bus to the shelter, um, they had like pneumonia, like the coughing, yeah. and yeah. they were they were so sad. But then at the same time, they were so grateful just to be in a church. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm from a Jewish family. Yeah. Like this means nothing to me. But yeah. but anyway, they would they would. They would get welcomed, and the nuns had had a speech they would give to the kids, mm-hmm. the kids and the adults, saying like, "Hey, we're not with the government. We're not with ICE. Right? You're fine. Like, yeah, you're finally safe." And everybody starts just bawling. Oh yeah, I'd imagine. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Just being there for three weeks just made me realize, like, man, this is so much more fulfilling mm-hmm. than working for a corporation or something like that. So, yeah, I think that's. That's kind of where I took a turn, and I was like, I, you know, I need to do something to mm-hmm. help people who are in bad yeah. shape because that's that's where it's at. That know? is, yeah. So it's, you have a, you had a lot of experience before this, you yeah. know, not only with with your volunteering, but also like with your career. Mm-hmm. So were there any like unique opportunities you had, like either in your career or volunteering, that you think set you up for law success? Like any experiences? Um, you know, I think. Um, you know, I was doing engineering design work for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you're probably familiar. Like we were just talking a few minutes ago. I was, I used to work with architectural acoustics a yeah. lot, and it's, you know, it's nothing like what you did, which, which is, you know, musical acoustics. Yeah. It was just office buildings and residences and maybe some healthcare stuff. Um, but yeah, basically, you you got to. I ha- I had to learn how to use a lot of different programs. Mm-hmm. Like coming out of undergrad, I didn't realize. How you would just be like, okay, you got to use, it. you got to learn how to use this program. Yeah. You're gonna spend a, 
a whole lot of time in the help section of Microsoft Word. Exactly, right. Or AutoCAD or something like that. And so I think I just got used to knowing that's the first yeah. step, like jump in the help menu. And, and, and you know, if you, don't, if you don't know the software that you're using, then it doesn't matter, man. Yeah. It doesn't know. And then I think that, that kind of showed with, at least with our appellate brief, mm. you know, so much of that, like making our table of contents and stuff like that, so much of that depended on learning Microsoft Word. So yeah. I think that transition yeah. was easy for me. And I think too, big picture, like a lot of this stuff, it's like, I mean, obviously professors are really helpful, but there's only so much they can give us at yeah. once. So having that mentality of like, I got to figure this out first yeah. on my own. Like, I'm sure like, you had to figure out a bunch of stuff on your own, like you were saying, like with Word and all these programs, like yeah. almost like you're not afraid to like go and try it and fail first and then maybe bring it to a professor or something like. Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. I think, you know, I think I'm the oldest in the program now. I think you might be, In, yeah. in our year, but at the same time, like, my ego, at least from my point of view, uh -huh. is, like, low, is low. Yeah. Because I'm so used to just, like, flailing. You know, mm -hmm. my attitude coming to law school is, like, you know, you got you to gotta put your ego down. You're going to feel stupid. You're going to yeah. get talked down, talked down to. And, and, yeah, just like with a lot of computer programs, you just, you just dive in. Because if somebody tries to explain it to you, yeah. They're going to use it language, like you don't think of it that way. And then exactly. You, you get into it, it's like, oh, that's yeah. what you meant. So Yeah. Like for me, I get a lot out of like trying it on my own. And then obviously I'll hit these roadblocks that I can't pass, but then I'll bring it to like a boss or a professor or yeah. whatever and say, hey, I tried this, this, and this. What do you think? So I think that's how you got to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think for a lot of people, there's a barrier that they're like afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's, it still sucks. Failure sucks. And I'm still afraid of it. But like, I'm. Like you're saying, like my ego's down. Like, yeah. Like I, I, I've accepted that it happens. Like I'm not gonna have everything turn out perfectly. Yeah. So. And I, I think one, um, like a good surprise about law school so so far to me is like, I, I had the impression that, and maybe this is just something about Belmont that mm -hmm. it's gonna be super cutthroat, all your classmates and stuff. And right. For the most part, I've I found everybody, even in your section, like yeah, is cool and, you know, in in a way it can be funny. You know, if you can mm -hmm. find some humor and exactly like a bad cold call or like you screw up exactly. something. Like. I, I feel like, and I can't speak for other schools, but like I, I'm sure you've seen and heard like horror stories, yeah. like you know, like in Ivy League schools where like professors just like demean people. But here it hasn't been the case. Mm -mm. I don't think, at least in, in my section, it hasn't been. Yeah. I mean, and so well, most of our classmates, actually, a lot of them, they're they're nice. I, I don't have any issue going up to someone and asking them a question. You know. Yeah. Which is really good. I, I wonder how much of that is like the media portrayal, or like I've like seen a lot of movies and law TV shows where it's like, you know, cutthroat. And I'm, I'm sure it is in some areas, like yeah. you're saying. But here it does a really good job of like, you know, calming it down. May, you know, maybe that's like a, a larger reflection of society. You know, like mm. we're getting yeah. like we're getting these days. You know, like there are d different ideas of what it means to prof be professional. That's true. What it means to be masculine and fem feminine. Yeah. What it means to like, I don't know. Like, for instance, you think you think about Mad Men, right? No, like, it's a good show. I I, I started rewatching that yesterday, actually. Yeah, and so much of that is it's so intimidating. You watch yeah. it, like just how how they operate and how there's hierarchy and yeah. I don't know, maybe that's how, how it was back then, where it was really yeah. scary and intimidating. And and they smoked a lot of cigarettes. They did. <laughs> they did. They all did. Uh, so. But one thing I like about that show, too, is how, like, 
when it starts in like the fifties and it goes all the way, yeah. like like you can see like things start to change, you know, like yeah. like their outfits start changing and like the hair gets longer and like yeah. you know like uh, women become more important in that in that um, that firm they're in, and it's like if you think about the growth we've had in the past fifty years, yeah, like you're right, it, it is a lot different than like you know the, the opinions we read the judges back in the eighteen hundreds, like it probably was cutthroat and yeah probably not as fun as it is <laughs> right now it's funny i you know we like we so many times we talk about the founding fathers yeah and it's almost like they're deities or something yeah exactly i think is yeah I, I feel like original i mean whatever i'm i'm a 2l i don't know that much <laughs> right. but like originalism it seems like every 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 time we use originalism we should mm. use a little caveat like yeah. hey by the way this was all white dudes who yeah didn't think that that the Constitution, at least they didn't think it was feasible to give black yeah. people and brown people yeah. and women rights. But I just, I think it's interesting how if I, if you look at their ages, I think none of them were over like 40 at the, 40 at the time. Of, right. Yeah. At least, like they're, they're in their like early 30s. And like yeah. I'm imagining like a group of early 30s people now trying to do that. I'm just like, oh yeah. my God, like that's terrifying. So I mean. And it would be hard. To it would be. You know, we, could, be. we can criticize it looking yeah. back. Yeah. They're, you know, they, like you said, like they're not like deities, but yeah. like they they were brave, I guess. They to were, like, man. You know, it, it, it's hard to think about like what would have to happen now for someone to do that to be like I'm gonna, you know, declare independence from the U.S. and make our own. Yeah. Like I don't know if that's really possible now, or and, even if people want to do that, I guess. But. And even yeah, and can you imagine, you know, say. Say you feel confident about your vision, like mm-hmm. just the logistics of pulling in whatever people from different. You can't call them. Yeah, yeah. It's like you just have to. I don't know. Send a letter. It gets there in a month, and then hope they yeah. show up. It must have been. It is interesting because I know like they have people who disagreed with them. Like they had debates, yeah. and they were like the, the, the British people or the people who wanted to side with Britain. Like there is still that division, but like I feel like now there's so much more division. Yeah. And like, of course that might be just biased because we have internet and we see it all the time. But like, getting a large group of people to agree on everything is kind of really difficult. You know? Yeah. It's crazy, man. And and I don't know if I don't know. If, and maybe maybe it's just me getting older, but mm-hmm. you know, definitely it seems like there's more division. Or may, you know maybe I'm just opening my eyes. That's true too. You know, I used to consider myself. I think pretty moderate or yeah. like centrist, but yeah. as I got older, I've definitely moved and, pretty hard left. And, so. and, and I have wondered that too, because like I'm I'm 26 now, mm-hmm. so I don't know if it's necessarily like like you're saying like many older, but I, I, I've talked to a lot of people of different age groups who yeah. have like recently come into the the realization of like getting active in political stuff. So I don't know how much of it is age and how much of it is like the society we live in now. It's just yeah. It's easier to get involved, which yeah. I think is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I think people should get involved more often than they do now. But I think so. And you, and you gotta, yeah, you gotta have a reason. Like, if mm-hmm. your heart's not in it, I mean, I wasn't ready to really get, and still, I'm not that involved. But I don't think yeah. I was. I must have been like 36 or 37. Yeah. When I really. And, and I think too, the past three years, like with COVID and mm-hmm. election and all that, like we're all like traumatized like we don't talk about it yeah you know like a lot of people don't talk about their trauma or whatever but like we all went through some deep crap like the last three years that that covid i mean i remember at the beginning at the beginning like 
we didn't know. Mm. Like, I didn't want to go outside my apartment, you know? Yeah. And, and we couldn't find masks. Mm. Um, and where, where, where were you living when you were when that happened? Uh, so I was in Atlanta, actually. Okay. Um, I just finished up a master's at Georgia Tech. In okay. Building construction and facilities management. Um, and... Um, and we were like two weeks from finishing the semester, and COVID hit, mm -hmm. and so we had to finish out all our classes online. Right. And then the internship I had just started in Atlanta, they laid me off within yeah. like a month, and I was like, "Screw it, I'm going back home to Nashville." But okay. yeah, it's like like my only point of reference for pandemics, and maybe it was the same with you, was like TV, you know, Walking exactly, Dead, yeah. or um, what were some other ones like? World War Z and yes, stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, so. like I was lucky because at that time I was still teaching. Mm -hmm. So were you were you in Metro Nashville? Public no, I, I was actually I got a job in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So I was like forty five minutes south of Louisville, in a small town called Elizabethtown. Mm -hmm. It was like twenty thousand, fifteen thousand people. So again, like I wasn't super worried. Like I was like thankful that I didn't live in a huge city because that would have even made it more challenging to get groceries and supplies and all yeah. that. So I mean, there's still that kind of fear. I definitely didn't leave my apartment for a long time. Um, I remember it like it was yesterday. Like it was March 13th. It was a Friday, yeah. Friday the 13th, of course. And um, I remember like my so I was the assistant band director, and I worked under this other guy. He was he was he took that day off for some reason. And so I was trying to corral the kids. I was like, hey, like, any like when when you're a teacher, like like emails circulate, like so like you know beforehand when schools gonna get canceled for a week mm. or snow day or whatever. And so I told the kids, I'm like, take your instruments home, take all your stuff home, because like, like you know, it, it might be, it might just be two weeks, but it might be like a month, like yeah. I don't know. And, and they're all, oh, it's fine, it'll be two weeks, we'll, we'll get back. They're all excited. So they weren't scared. They, they weren't scared because like at that point we, we didn't know what we didn't know, you know. Yeah. So like we didn't know if it was gonna last two weeks or like a month. Um, and so I was like, okay. And so they all left, and sure enough, like I didn't see them again till like that next spring. Wow. So, Whoa, so a whole year. A whole year, yeah. We, we we taught online for a whole year. That's insane, man. And then when we came back, it was hard, too, because we had A and B days as well, because I taught high school. So usually we were all together, and the band was about 200 people. Mm -hmm. So we have, we were split amongst four classes during the day, usually, so groups of 50. Um, but when we went A and B, it was like eight groups of 25. And so it, was, it didn't feel the same. And I think that's part of the reason why I didn't. I almost said I fell out of love with it because I still love music. I still teach yeah. lessons, but like for a lot of people, did a lot of people did career changes during COVID because I think they realized that like life is short. Yeah. Like I think they had time to think. I had time to think about like my career choices and like is this really like what I want to do? Like this is a good chance for a reset, kind of. I and think you're, a lot of people you're, are, you're like forcibly removed from your coworkers and stuff. I was like, I was so bored. I've never been so bored in my life. Were you, <laughs> like, were you teaching band on Zoom? So it was weird. Like the that spring semester, like we we went home in March, and I don't think the school system I taught it was prepared to teach online. Like mm -hmm. we didn't have any online platforms, yeah. and so we didn't really do anything for the rest of the year. Like we had like it was it was like called Google Classroom. We, yeah. we could post assignments, but like we didn't have the equipment to teach online and where I taught was mostly like free and reduced lunch mm -hmm. so it was really like a really impoverished area um, so a lot of the kids didn't have laptops a lot of them didn't have cell phones or even internet so it was like like they weren't prepared to handle that and I think over the summer they kind of developed like they had free Wi-Fi hotspots mm -hmm. which was cool 
they gave each kid a Chromebook, which was really cool. That's cool. So we started teaching more online um, that next fall. But for that month, I was like, Golly. and I, I think then is when I started studying for the LSAT because I was like, I'm not teaching, I'm not doing anything, I'm sitting. I like, I, I don't play a lot of video games, but like, I had an Xbox and I just like binge played video games and ate Doritos, and I was like, this is not <laughs> like, like this is fun, but like yeah. I gotta do something productive. So I studied for the LSAT. And, Did you use you know, a book or an online course? I used the books. I, I took all the practice tests. I did the I did the online version. That was it. The flex, the, the LSAT flex. Yeah, me too. I took it twice. Yeah, uh, I took it once in person actually here mm-hmm. um, in 2018. Didn't do super hot. Uh, it was just it's always funny to get that perspective of like I think I took it in the classroom. We took Conline and, and I sat in the same seat. Oh weird. So I was like, this is weird. And I thought <laughs> about it and I was like, wow, this is where I took my LSAT the first time and just bombed. But I think that just goes to show, like, you just got to be, you know, persistent in yeah. all your things. It was a tough it, test. It was really hard. I, I, like, I, I kind of went in thinking, I'm pretty good at standardized tests. It was, it was hard, yeah. Like, my, my girlfriend's brother uh, just took it a few weeks ago, and he was, like, showing me, like, logic games. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll be honest with you, man, I, I, I couldn't do this right now. I'm, I'm, I'm rusty. Like, this is yeah. not, like, you know... It, it, it's just so different than law school, too. Yeah. And I, I've come to learn that your LSAT score doesn't necessarily gauge how good you're going to be at this. I think it does, man. And it's not, it's not fair because, I mean, yeah. I spent a year studying, and, when, you know, luckily I had, I had money to where I could take that time off. But, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just about how, like, how many games you, you're going to practice, how much time exactly, you Exactly, yeah. Like, it, there's, like, a strategy to it that doesn't seem to – gauge how smart you are per yeah. se because if you take enough of those practice tests there's only so many questions they can ask you mm-hmm. so it's more of like can you game the system mm-hmm. and can you like oh so they're, they're asking this type of question like this is going to be the answer and like the games too like the more games you do you're just going to be able to rattle right. them off which I heard they're, they're about to phase that out they anyway. are yeah. uh, they are I, 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 thought, I read a long time ago that a, a blind student had sued them because mm-hmm. they, they had they had like uh different tests for them to take but it was so different and like it was graded differently and then I think that instead of like changing it they were just like we'll just get rid of it yeah that makes sense which I'm kind of jealous that they don't have the games <laughs> anymore but um, and they also got rid of the experimental section too which, which I didn't take that so, yeah. I mean flex flex was only it was only three right yeah, only three yeah. so that was terrible too because I think it in person one one time and it was like an extra section of um, logical reasoning but they didn't tell you which one was the oh. experimental one. So you're like, is it, like, like, I did really bad on that one, so I hope that's the experimental one, but it could be the real one. So it's just like, it's super crazy. I struggled so much with, with games. I mean, it must have taken me maybe nine months to where yeah. I could finish all four within like 40 minutes or whatever. Yeah, I mean, my, my, brain, just, my, my brain didn't work that way. I don't yeah. know. Like, I thought myself as like a visual person, but like even that's like another level. It's like visual, but it's also like you have to step back yeah I took I took a an online course um, based out of Austin called testprepguide.com okay he was awesome yeah like the guy I can't believe he, how much like how much energy he put into it yeah and he, you know he had, he had us doing games like three nights a week and 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 he made like a recording of each game that he would work out yeah he'd make a re- recording and you could go back and play it and, that's really awesome yeah I I spent most of my time on the the power score forms, mm-hmm. like they had forms where they would go over each practice question, and so 
I would take the test and then mark the ones I got wrong and go over that first. I got this wrong. Let's see why I got it wrong. Yeah. And then all that. So it was. I mean, I guess that was helpful because it like made me want to go back and look at where I was wrong. Where like here, like you know, it's like you might not want to go back and look at like the midterms first semester for me. I yeah. was like, man, that sucked. I really don't want to see how bad I did and like look at it. But it made me sit down and look at it. And plus, plus, yeah, when I looked at my my midterm or my in my finals in, in the fall, I was yeah. like, I want to argue some of this stuff because right. this hurt. But yeah. I don't know. You just deal with it, I guess. Yeah. So on that same note, like now that we finished the whole year, is there something that you wish you knew before you started, like before you started um, these first two semesters, or? Yeah, that's a good question. I think. Um, I, okay, a couple of things. I wish mm-hmm. I had started watching the recorded, like not all, not all the teachers recorded their classes but i yeah. wish i had gotten on that earlier just to gotcha, go back yeah. because i miss so much in class like mm-hmm. I, I wish we didn't even have to go in person yeah i wish we could just watch the recordings i wish i'd known that and i wish i had been better about like forcing myself to go to a professor's office hours mm-hmm. even if i thought even if i had the reading done and i felt good about it like yeah that's the best time spent just dropping yeah. especially usman i only went like once or twice oh, that, to, that to, to his online yeah things but they were at 8 p.m. It was, it was a weird time, for sure. Yeah. I think that's one thing, too, I want to work on is, like, going to professors, even if I don't necessarily have a question, like, yeah. building those connections with them because they, they can help you with internships or help you with, mm-hmm. like, you know, ideas or whatever, uh, especially now that we can take classes that we're interested in, Yeah. which I'm super excited for. I'm, I'm going to start doing that too. more. What are you taking? Are you doing any journals or anything? Mm-hmm. No, I'm taking entertainment law mm-hmm. and contract drafting. Yeah, same. I'm uh, okay. contract drafting and race and law. That's cool. So, yeah. who teaches the race and law class? Uh, his name is Seku Franklin. Okay. Um, he, he's, a, I think, a poli sci professor out of MTSU. Okay. But he's in the media a lot, like commenting on. That's really cool. You know, racial issues and stuff. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, but then ad, admin law and I guess the other three, the same. Yeah. Two. That's awesome. Um, I, I want to take admin law at some point because that's just so huge yeah. with everything. It's like. I mean, I want to go into more transactional entertainment stuff, but, like, even then I'll have to deal with administrative stuff, like mm-hmm. copyright things, and it's just such a big part of our legal system. For, yeah. for good or for bad, there's a lot of administrative proceedings that we don't necessarily know about. I agree. Boring, but you got to know it. What did you do this, this summer? Did you intern? Yeah, so uh, I, I'm at, this is my last week, I'm at the Legal Aid Society. That's right, I knew that. Um, so I'm doing, like, the re-entry expungement stuff. It was really, it was a really good experience. Um, we put on the expungement clinic uh, a few weekends ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was me and my other intern, Emma, our idea. And so we actually heard yesterday, we were on the phone, a conference call with the Davidson County clerks, and we had expunged 161 convictions. What? Yeah. I, I didn't realize it was that much. It was 161 convictions, and we processed 40 affidavits of indigency so that people couldn't pay their court costs. Mm-hmm. They can get that waived. And then 10 people got their driver's license back. That's awesome. Which is crazy to think. Uh, I know we want to do more of those expungement clinics here. I want to do a part of that. What, what's it like? Do you have to? So it's actually, the, honestly, the easiest clinic I think you could do, especially if we do it with the Davidson County clerks, because they come, they they use those tables back there, and they just kind of, like, did everything for us. Like, they would call people one by one, and then, you know, we had volunteer attorneys who would, like, do, like, uh, like a counsel and advice session with them. Like, hey, here's your record. Like, Here's what you can get expunged, here's what you can't. Go to the clerk. The clerk says, okay, yep, we're going to 
file an order for you to get these, these, these expunged. The clerk takes it and then just basically sends it to a judge to get processed. And the answer was really easy. Are the judges usually pretty lenient? Or? Usually. Um, well, it depends on the county. So uh, legal aid, we, we serve as the 48, 48 counties in Tennessee. We just don't do like Knoxville area and Memphis area, mm -hmm. but mostly like, the majority of Middle Tennessee. And it really opened my eyes to like how different counties, like their politics and how they run things. Like I would say Davidson County is probably the most like open, I don't say open-minded, but like the most like behind the expungement push. So mm -hmm. it's really easy there. All the judges are, are for it and like they have the system set up. But if you go to counties like, like up near the Kentucky border, um, where maybe they don't have, have as much resources so like some clerks you have to fax the stuff over or mail like they, they, they don't accept email um, and the good thing about Davidson is that you can do it online mm -hmm. so it's easy for us and I think Rutherford you can do it online but like I, gotta, it was, I was like I got a fax like I, I, know, I, know, I know how to use a fax machine but I'm like I don't even know where I would like go to FedEx yeah. or something we um, Legal Aid doesn't have a fax machine but uh I was shown an app we have um, on our laptops that they gave us where like you can send a PDF through. So it, it wasn't super bad, but it just shows that barrier of entry yeah. kind of thing, which is interesting. I've heard, I've been listening to this podcast called mm -hmm. uh, Public Defense List or something. Okay. And this guy, it's all about public defenders. He said that you don't have to have a law degree to be a judge in many counties. Yeah which I had never thought about. It's like crazy to think that like some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just goes to show like how some, some issues in some counties aren't, or I don't say, like some things aren't an issue in other counties, like yeah. smaller counties, like you might have not that many cases a year, but then when something bad does happen and you don't have the materials or the resources or like the attorneys, then like where do those people go, you know? Yeah. So it's really interesting to think about that kind of stuff. But. Yeah. So, what, and this, this is a, a loaded question, so you're gonna like this. So, yeah. um, so, five years from now, we graduated, we passed the bar, hopefully. Um, we will, because uh, we have 100% bar pass rate. Yeah. So, five years from now, where do you see yourself working? What do you see yourself doing? Um, so, I'm not sure, but I, what I'm interested in now is like, okay, well, first of all, like, to pay, to pay the bills, if I need to make money, yeah. Maybe patent law or something like okay, that. Okay, that'd be cool. Because I'm, I'm, I have an engineer's license, and I think I can kind of shortcut through that. So yeah. So that'd be a good way to, like, work work for the Department of Commerce or something that'd like cool. that. That'd be cool. But I, I really like, at least right now, and maybe this will change over this next semester, but I like the, the intersection of immigration and labor. Okay. Because, you know, it's just like, because I, like, I respect people who build things so much, and I hate <laughs> I hate that we have a category of jobs just in the language you use, we use called unskilled labor because I think, I yeah. mean, I try to fix stuff at, at my house, like all of it's hard to me, you yeah. know? like painters, concrete workers, yeah. janitors, like all of, all of it is hard to me. Yeah. And so I, I like this intersection where, you know, pe people are coming from other countries mm. to make their lives better or maybe to escape a bad situation back home. And right. they're taking these jobs that that we we need to get done, and well, to me, like they're interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that's the kind of the population I'm 
yeah. I, I look at it as I, I never thought about that until you mentioned it. Like the word unskilled, like they are skilled. Like uh, yeah, there's like no way. Like I don't know how to pour concrete or yeah. how to, you know. I mean, like you look at all these buildings that are nice and like sound soundly built. Like mm-hmm. it couldn't be possible without the, you know, like they I, they know how to do this crap. You I know? think it's, I mean. I think it's it's our hyper capitalist society. Yeah. Little by little, we use language to to make yeah. these jobs. You know, we think about these these guys out. You know, building the building. You know, they're making 15, 18 bucks an hour. That's hard, man. That's hard work. Like you can do it wrong. You yeah. know, unskilled makes you think like you just need to press a button and you, you exactly. know, it's, it's idiot proof. But you can really you can mess up painting. Yeah. You know, you can you can mess up cleaning. There's so many things yeah. that. But yeah, so that kind of stuff where I just, I don't know, I just feel like our society has, we've gone so much in like a kind of gross corporate direction where yeah. we worship people like Elon Musk. Yeah. You know, which is awesome. He does awesome stuff. I'm yeah. not going to lie, but Elon Musk or whatever, when when I was in undergrad, like Jack Welch. And yeah. All, it's like, yeah, you know, job creators or whatever, but let's not forget every job is hard. Yeah. You know, if it's in, if you're in the kitchen, if you're doing janitor's work, or like I think carpentry and yeah, and um, like drywall work and electrician's work, that's so hard and, and, and it's so necessary it's too. So yeah, and there's those those guys could make a lot more money. And I shouldn't say guys because a lot of women yeah, are yeah. in construction too, but they can make a lot more money if you know, yeah, if, if value corresponded with salary. exactly. So. Like I, I feel like there's there's people at the top who are kind of pocketing all the money and like yeah, it's like trickling down, you know. And yeah, and that, that's kind of like I think that's another reason I came to law school is just I, from volunteering at Workers' Dignity and mm-hmm. the summer Resilience Force. Like there's this whole issue of wage theft in yeah. the construction industry, in the housekeeping, um, hospitality, and yeah, mainly in construction. At least from what I've seen. And it's it's always it's the same old story. It's the same old setup. You've got the owner slash mm-hmm. general contractor, and there's always subcontractor subcon and that that um, plausible deniability where yeah. this this middleman doesn't pay so and so, or they get pay him maybe half and say, you know, meet me here, I'll pay you the rest, and you just kind of mess with them exactly, and yeah. ghost them, and and you approach you know you approach the guy at the top and say like, hey, you know your profit. And if you are making profit, like, it's inflated by how much these guys at the bottom are getting paid less yeah, than yeah. their promise. And you, oh, I don't know. I don't have a contract with them. It's, it's yeah. indirect. And if you if you go online and look at, like, different jurisdictions, you know, they, they post records of government contracts or, mm-hmm. or building permits and stuff like that. And so you can see who's getting what contracts. But yeah. all, all those government transparency sites they stop at the general contractor. So you, you never know what's, you never know what's going on. About. Yeah. And, just, and just over time, I'm just like, man, that's so wrong. Yeah. You know? and, well, and I'm sure you've seen this in your experience too. Like I've noticed in the reentry area, like a lot of people don't know their rights. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know that they can challenge certain things. That, like, you know, like I'll hear stories, like we're, we're taking a case and I read the, the facts of the case. They write down. I'm like, that's like a crappy situation, but like they didn't know that they could have appealed this or like mm-hmm. made a fuss about, or, or they might have been told that they couldn't do anything about it, which is also shady. And then like think about all the workers who like have been screwed over, but like don't know that there's some kind of remedy out mm-hmm. there because it's like hidden from them, you know? Yeah, and all these little things like you know you 
people because a lot of people they do stuff on a handshake because exactly. people want to sign documents. Mm-hmm. Maybe your literacy is not that good, or you, yeah. you're uncomfortable with like leaving a paper trail because you don't know if you'll get deported or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, it's like thing. okay, fifteen bucks an hour, cool. You shake on it. Then it's it's like oh, you know, I only meant eight hours a day. You know, overtime is not included. You're yeah, too exactly. slow, yeah. which is illegal. Yeah. Uh, or it's like oh well, you know, I'm going to dock you for food. You know, we didn't talk about transportation. Of course, you got to pay gas. Yeah, exactly. And equipment. And oh like, yeah. Wow. You know, it's there's a just a lot of ways to yeah. game it. So. And, and there's also that fear of like retaliation too. Yeah. I'm sure. Like they're like, I need this job. Like if I, like if I, kind of challenge them on it, I might not get anything at all mm-hmm. compared to my, you know, pennies mm-hmm. on the dollar, which is kind of really crappy. But just power, power imbalance, and, and exactly. you know, when I'm, and at least. Like in undergrad and when I was working in the private sector, you know, you always hear like, hey, hey, this is the free market. If you, mm-hmm. if two adults enter into an agreement, yeah, that's, you know, that's how it is. Like you got to live with your decision, right. you know, if you, and, and the magic hand brings justice because <laughs> if, if yeah. you get screwed this time, then, th- then that employer is going to get a re- bad reputation and they're, you know, like justice gets done. It's like, no. There's power yeah. imbalances because maybe you need that money right now. Maybe, maybe this person who shorted you, mm. you know, has like a bunch of work in the future that could be, you know, like exactly. a cash cow for you. So yeah. it's just like everything's a power dynamic and it's yeah. it's really imbalanced right now. So and, and I think that's a good point because there's a lot of areas of law that are like that too, yeah. like the reentry stuff and just like, I mean, like even like individual rights. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people. Like there's like a class of people that like have power over, you know, other people, and it's just like there's no like way to get past that. Yeah. Which is kind of really crappy, but. And I think didn't I think we touched on a case. I remember laughing at it, where maybe it was in CivPro where it's like, maybe something about jurisdiction where. Where the bar for having personal jurisdiction mm-hmm. out over somebody out of state, mm-hmm. like that criteria should not. It shouldn't. It shouldn't weigh travel time yeah. so heavily now because. And I, th- I think whoever oh, yeah. wrote the opinion was like, you know, you can you can get a flight for two hundred bucks, whatever the, the, the 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 economy is now nationalized and, yeah. and interstate travel is now affordable. It's like yeah, yeah, to yeah. a Supreme Court justice. Right. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah. And that, that, that reminds me of the Commerce Clause too, because yeah. everything's so connected too. Yeah. So it's like it's like everything applies to everything right now. Just internet it really is. Does. Crazy, so yeah. what? This is this is our, our big final question. Okay. Kind of put a bow on it. Okay. Um, we have two years left. Mm-hmm. What do you want to get out of your remaining time, either personally, professionally? Um, no, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I want I want to build relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, like I want to stay in Nashville. My parents live here. I want to stay in Nashville. Yeah. So I want to come out with like good, you know, if not a lot of friendships, but like good personal connections. Yeah. You know we're gonna be in this this like universe together like it would be cool to be friends and like get along with everybody so that's one mm-hmm. thing um, I want to get better at like I don't know speaking truth to power a little bit yeah. you know I have trouble you know not not that we ever have the opportunity to confront power in this place right but I, I wish you know I could do a little better at that um, I want my Spanish to be better which is not something I can get here but yeah because this summer I've really fumbled a lot. Um, 
man, I don't know. I just, I just want to end up in a job where um, I don't, like, at the end of a tough day or if, mm-hmm. if I do something bad at work, like, I don't want to lose sleep. Anymore. Exactly, like, yeah. At least, you know, at least I'm fighting, like, the good fight or whatever. Exactly, right. Because at previous jobs, if I did something bad or if I fell behind, it was just like, man, not only, not only am I doing bad personally, but, like, if this is... Yeah. Just for making somebody money, so it, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. so you, you don't get that return necessarily yeah. directly at your old job. Yeah, that's true. I, I, you know, I kind of felt that way teaching. Like, yes, I, I get the direct. Like, I, I get to like teach these kids, mm-hmm. and like I get to see their growth. But like at the same time, if I mess some kind of administrative paperwork up, like I'm just ruining the superintendent's day, you know. Yeah. And so it's kind of like I get that pressure. Doesn't get mixed, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you made a huge impression on. I mean, I can't. I can't think of anything more important than like teacher, public school teachers, especially because yeah, y'all were making such That's big like, impressions on the kids. And, yeah, you know. I I'm I'm really thankful for that time I had, and I'll, I'm not gonna lie. Like sometimes I do miss it. I do miss the kids I taught because yeah. like looking back on it, there were some kids that like definitely got on my nerves for yeah. sure. But like they needed that like music experience, and they needed it like especially where I taught, like, their home lives weren't super great, you know. And so, like, music for them was an escape. And especially we had practices, like, four times a week, which is a lot. But, like... After school? After school, yeah. That's a lot. It is a lot. It, but we were super competitive. And not it, not only did it push the kids to, like, want to do stuff, but it, it got them socialized. Because a lot of them, like, there wasn't a lot to do in that city. So, like, they would, like, fall into, like, bad things or, like... Maybe like their home life with their parents isn't super great, so I got them out of the house. And so I just kind of think about like a lot of kids need those kind of opportunities. It might not be music, but it might be like an art club after mm-hmm. school or like football. But I know like football is not accessible to everybody. But, like just things like that, like just kind of make me think about it. So I'm hoping I can, especially if, if I would go into music and transactional law, mm-hmm. like I can kind of do that on the side, like a charity or something kind of. I can't think of a better hobby for you, like to gift a kid yeah. than music. Just exactly. Like for all those things you just said, plus it doesn't have to be that expensive. Mm-hmm. Like you can do it alone. It's you portable. Alone. Like yeah. it's timeless, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you can do it alone. You can do it with like a group of people. Yeah. Like you can, you know, just have fun jamming out. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, when I told when I told people I was a high school band director, like, like oh, I played the French horn in like the, in the 70s or the 80s in high school band. And like, Everyone I talked to, like, they might not still do it, uh, especially attorneys. Like, a lot of attorneys are musicians, which is, or former musicians. That's interesting. But, but they all, like, have this, like, smile lights up on their face. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, I was in band. Like, it was great, you know? Like, so they have those memories, but that's super important to me. The, the coolest experience I had in Peace Corps, I was in Peace Corps really, like, just for four months. I dropped out. Mm-hmm. But um, we, uh, we were doing, like, this entrepreneurship class for all these kids in Peru in a Peruvian high school yeah and um and we had a break between classes and mm-hmm. like so there were like 200 kids Peruvian kids just hanging out and you know just waiting for the teachers to tell them what yeah. to do next and so the band kids were in one corner I have a video of this on my Instagram but so like the, the trombone and and the um the drums kids they started playing Despacito that's awesome just out of nowhere yeah and like a couple of the girls on the side were like rapping and singing that's awesome and everybody's dancing and it's just like oh my god this is really good yeah. and everybody's partying and i thought the teachers were gonna get mad but they're just like no it's cool yeah go with it. but 
That is awesome. Yeah, yeah it's, it, cool it's, stuff. it's like it's like a community almost. It's yeah. like music. Like you can find your community within music and like kind of get that going. Yeah, sweet. Well, thanks yeah. for coming on. Yeah. I appreciate you again. Yeah, man. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I hope you have a great rest of your summer. I know it's about to end. We'll be in school soon. But, yeah. But thanks again. Yeah, appreciate it.